So it is so fun to be in the Christmas season, um, to see everybody's decorations, to see the joy that comes and turning on the Christmas music and getting our trees up. We had a blast getting trees with everybody last Sunday. Uh, it was so fun. Um, as you know, this is the Advent season, and if you were with us last Sunday for our communion, our worship, and our prayer time, we prepared in some of the prayer, pray time that we, prayer time we had, we were preparing for the Advent um, season. And so if you're familiar with the traditional Christian calendar, that's where we are on that calendar is in Advent, which means the preparation for the arrival or the arrival of Jesus. And so we say it this way, Advent is a season that's set aside to keep our hearts continually attuned to the presence of Jesus as we walk through the craziness of the Christmas season. It is a time to intentionally slow down and recall and rejoice in the story of Jesus coming into being when hope and peace and love took on flesh and bone. And Christmas is a time that we celebrate Jesus, a child born of a virgin, fully human, fully God, entering our world to write his redemptive story. As 2 Timothy says, or as Paul says in 2 Timothy 1, 9, and 10, he has saved us, and he has called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and eternal life to light through his good news. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Our heart's deepest longing, this thing that is created within each one of us, is for God himself who created us so that we would never be satisfied without him. And thankfully, his very name from the moment that he arrived or was announced on earth was Emmanuel, God with us, this place that was birthed inside of us that could only be fulfilled by him was found in that name, Emmanuel, God with us. And my desire for this season is that we carry that reality of the nearness of this with us God, Emmanuel, with us each step of the Christmas season. I won't have you raise your hand but I would wonder how many of us are already beginning to feel a little bit sped up by Christmas season. We're beginning already to, instead of finding a daily rhythm of joy in the Advent calendar, that we're turning the little things like, oh, crap, we're already only this many days away from Christmas. And my heart is that we would be able to slow down and that we would carry with us the presence of the nearness of Emmanuel throughout every day that we have ahead. As Moses said to God when he was heading into the promised land, when God said, I want you to go into the promised land, Moses said, do not send us without your presence. What else marks us if not your presence? That story is found in Exodus 33, and it's a powerful story of Moses' heart to say, I don't want to go, not even into the promises that you have for me, if it is not with your presence. 
And so I want us to have that heart, that reality that says, Jesus, we do not want to go into the days ahead unless we are assured that we have set aside our hearts and our time and our energies to say, first and foremost, we are with you, you are with us, and we are walking in the cadence of your spirit into whatever is ahead. As Paul said to Timothy in that verse we looked at in 2 Timothy, that God called us to a holy life. That holy life means a set-apart life. We are to live a set-apart life, even through this culture, even through this holiday season. Our cadence must be his, not ours, not our cultures, and any, or anyone else's. We are to be set apart. Which brings us to the crux of this message on Advent. This is why we are reading Ruthless Elimination of Hurry Together, or we already have read it again I won't ask for a show of hands, but we were reading Ruthless Elimination of Hurry in November so that we could go through it together in December. If you have not read it yet, it's the red book. It's out there on the wel- at the Welcome Center. You can get it. You are not too late. You can read it really fast. It's like, it's like the jokes write themselves. All right, read it slowly, but not like I finished it in 2026 because it was, I was trying to read it slow. Like, go get the book, read the book. You'll appreciate what we're talking about when I am to live a set-apart life and a cadence that is his, that I have to eliminate hurry from my life. And another note, we have, it's, so, it's better to give than to receive, right? So yes, we have the books out there for you to purchase, but we also have a bunch of books. It's the end of the year. We have a bunch of books out there that are really, really great books. Don't Please don't leave now. This would hurt my heart if you're like, I'm, I want the book more than this message. Um, but but we, have, we have a bunch of books that we're getting rid of for free. So after the gathering, if you want to go and our book, our little bookstore out there is being emptied out for our, our 2024 books to be put in there. So there are some books out there if you'd like to grab those. They are all excellent, excellent books. But Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Praying like monks, let's make sure we're all reading those together, okay? Just humor me and say like, yes, Ryan, we, we are doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. Okay, good. Man, you guys are amazing. So that brings us to the crux of the message, that we are to live that set-apart reality that Paul talks to Timothy about and why we're reading Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I want to read this from the message, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Are you tired, worn out? Burned out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life, says Jesus. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. If we are hurried and if we are rushed, our spiritual life with Jesus, our prayer life, these important things take a back seat to everything else, can take a back seat to everything else, or worse, they are entirely neglected for long stretches of our month. So the challenge, the call that I have for you today as we walk into this Christmas season, this Advent season, is to bring back to the forefront of your life the things that really, truly matter. Did we lose all the screens? Are they done for? No. Okay. Sorry. Next. Oh, nice. I was just wondering about the Matthew 11 verse. Was that up there? Oh, great. He's so on the ball. I'm sorry, John. I apologize. Okay. 
So to bring back to the forefront of your life the things that truly matter, in the story in the book, in Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, there's a man in there called, named John Ortberg, and he's uh, just a spiritual formation director. He's an awesome guy, and he tells a story of him talking with his, uh, the person who was discipling him, who is Dallas Willard, and he asks him this question, what must I do to become the man I want to be? And Dallas Willard answered this question this way, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Corey Ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Why is that? The reason is because both sin and busyness get ahead of us, and they cut us off from God. They cut us off from others. They cut us off from our purposes. They cut us off even from ourselves. And by that, I mean those moments that it takes for us to be truly quieted and in tune with what Holy Spirit is saying to us or what is going on inside of us. 1 Corinthians 13.4 begins with this. Love is patient. Love is patient. Most of us hate even standing in a line. We get a red light, and we're like three deep at the red light. We're like, oh, my day is ruined. <laughs> right? We go through drive throughs but now drive throughs are too slow, so we actually pre-order on our apps so that when we get to the drive through they just hand it to us. Because <laughs> God forbid we slow down at all because we're important people with important things to do. Love is patient. We are impatient. And when we are impatient, is there any reason why? Does it make sense to us why people are not experiencing love through us? Why we are not experiencing love deeply? We must learn to be patient. We must learn to wait. We must learn to slow down. We, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives, says Ronald Rollheiser. In Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer, the author, calls this hurry sickness. And it's a behavior pattern to him. This is how he defines it. A behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. None of us feel that, right? Good. What's wrong with that guy? So he talks about hurry sickness, and I wanted to do something a little bit different this morning. In there, he has this brief sort of test that he offers for people to be able to consider whether they may have some degree of hurry sickness. And so this morning, to do something different, I would like to offer you this test, and we're going to take it together, okay? So everybody, all of you type A's that are like, oh, test, I will ace it, stop it. This is not one you want to ace, ace, but if you are type A, you probably will. <laughs> so you got that going for you. All right, so we're going to take the last or the next few minutes and just go through this. And again, if, if you start to feel like shame or performance get on you in any way, then I have to tell you this. This is Living Waters. You are welcome here. We do not motivate people through shame. We do not motivate people through religious performance. We do not motivate people by going, look at that person who has it all together. Let's put them on the stage so you feel that implied pressure to be like them. 
It's not what we do here. What we do here is we just create space for us to be real and honest, believing that the Holy Spirit can work the best with soft clay, which is real and honest. Okay, so we're not here to shame, have some laughs with it, but be honest. Just be honest with yourself. And, and here's the scoring system. Uh, what, do you, what do we think we should do? Let's just say, no, that's too high of a number for you to add up. Just give yourself a one if any of these, you could be like, yeah, that's me. Okay, you get a point. Yay. <laughs> I, always, I want points. So here are some symptoms that might ring true for you whether you are suffering from hurry sickness this holiday season. Irritability. You get mad. <laughs> yes. Exactly. You get mad, frustrated, or just annoyed way too easily. How'd that Ducks game go on Friday? Little, <laughs> yeah, can you, hey, I got a two already. Um, irritability, little, normal things irk you. People have to tiptoe around you on, uh, uh, tiptoe around your ongoing low-grade negativity, if not anger. To self-diagnose, don't think of how you treat a colleague or a neighbor Look at how you treat those closest to you, your spouse, your children, your roommates, etc. Number two, hypersensitivity. All it takes is a minor comment to hurt your feelings, a grumpy email to derail your day, or a little turn of events to throw you off or into an emotional funk and ruin your week or your day, maybe. Minor things quickly escalate to major emotional events. Uh, depending on your personality, this might show up as anger or nitpick or anxiety or depression or just tiredness. Point is, the ordinary problems of this of life have a disproportionate effect on your emotional well-being and your relational grace. And in case you get mad at me for this, I just want to, in case I didn't make it clear, this is from the book, so this is from <laughs> Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I'm just paraphrasing some of it for you guys, making it come, come home for us. Uh, number three, another chance to get a point here, everybody. Restlessness. When you actually do try to slow down and rest, you can't relax. You give Sabbath a try, you hate it. You read scripture, you read scripture but you find it boring. You have a quiet time with God, but you can't focus your mind. You go to bed early, but you toss and turn with anxiety. You watch TV, but simultaneously you're checking your phone or sending an email or checking on everyone else or doing household chores uh, while seeing who has liked what you've posted on Facebook or Instagram, uh, who has responded to your snap. You mind your body. Your mind and body are hyped up on the drug of speed, and when you don't get the next dopamine fix, they shiver. Number four, how you doing? <laughs> this is like golf. Low score wins, right? <laughs> Workaholism or just nonstop activity. You guys don't think my jokes are as funny anymore. We're on like number four and everyone's like, dude, stop, stop. Okay, <laughs> we'll go serious the rest of the way in. Workaholism 
or just nonstop activity. You just, didn't, you just don't know when to stop, or worse, you can't stop. Another hour, another day, another week, your drugs of choice are accomplishment and accumulation. This could show up as careerism or just an obsessive house cleaning or errand running. The result is, though, is that you fall prey to sunset fatigue. And that means that by the day's end, you have nothing left to give to those most important in your life, your spouse, your children, your loved ones. Um, they get the grouchy, shut down, sarcastic, overtired you, and it isn't pretty. Number five, emotional numbness. You just don't have the capacity to feel another person's pain or your own pain often. Emotional numbness means that empathy is rare fe- as a rare feeling for you. Seeing things from other people's perspectives or caring about others or those that are around you is challenging. You just don't have the time for it. You live in this kind of constant disconnect from what's happening around you, but also what's happening inside of you. Out of order priorities. You feel disconnected from your identity and your calling, which we would say maybe your purpose in life. You're always getting sucked into the tyranny of the urgent, letting go of the things that are most important. Your life is reactive. It is not proactive. You're busier than ever before, yet still feel like you don't have time for what really matters to you. And in the book, this quote, he quote, the quote from the book says this, months often go by or years or God forbid, maybe it's been decades and you realize you still haven't gotten around to all the things you said were the most important things in your life. Number seven, lack of care for your body. You don't have time for the basics. Eight hours of sleep at night, daily exercise, healthy home-cooked food, minimal stimulants, margin, you gain weight, you get sick multiple times a year, you regularly wake up tired, you don't sleep well, you live off the four horsemen of the industrialized food apocalypse, as John Mark Comer calls it, Um, caffeine, sugar, processed carbs, and alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) Caffeine, sugar, processed carbs, and alcohol. Oh, yeah, do you get a point for each of those? (laughs) Number eight, escapist behaviors. When we're too tired to do what's actually life-giving for our souls, we each turn to our own distraction of choice, which might be over-drinking. It might be binge-watching Netflix. It might be browsing social media. It might be overeating. It might be surfing the web or looking at porn. Name your preferred cultural narcotic, and it is probably on the list of things that we do to escape. And the thing about that is that so many of them are culturally acceptable, so we have to check ourselves on those things because something that is fine to do for others may actually be an escape route for me. Escapist behaviors. Number nine, the letting go of spiritual disciplines or slippage of spiritual disciplines. When you get over busy, the things that are truly life-giving for your soul are the first things to go rather than your first go-to, such as quiet time in the morning, scripture, prayer, Sabbath, worship on Sunday, a meal with your community, and so on. When we get over busy, the book says, when we get over busy, we get overtired, and when we get overtired, we don't have the energy or discipline to do what we need most for our souls. How you guys doing? Okay, great. 
great. So no, number 10, Isol- isolation. <laughs> you feel disconnected from God, others, and your own soul. In those times, on those rare times when you actually stop to pray, and by pray, I don't mean ask God for stuff. I mean sit with God in the quiet. You're so stressed and distracted that your mind can't settle down long enough to enjoy the Father's company. Same with your friends. When you're around friends or family, you're also with your phone or you're a million miles away in your mind. You're running down the to-do list. And even when you're alone, you come face-to-face with the void that is your soul and immediately run back to the familiar groove of busyness and digital distractions. So add those up. And tell the person, next, no, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. I'm teasing. So as I said when we started this test, reject any guilt or shame that you might be feeling right now. That's really absolutely not the point. It is not the point at all because every single one of us in this room has a higher number than we would like to admit when it comes to the busyness and the rush of this time. The point is not to get you to change your behavior through shaming you or looking at that number and going, do better. The point is this, an overbusy, a hurried life of speed is the new normal for our culture. And we have to understand that it is also toxic to try to keep up with an unhealthy culture. We are all living in this reality. And we have to choose a different way. Jesus said, I am the way. We have to choose a different truth to live by. Jesus said, I am the truth. We have to choose a different life. Jesus said, I am the life. If we are to live radically countercultural this Christmas season, it means a way and a truth and a life that is absolutely opposite of what culture is trying to convince us to do. To rush less to spend less, to respond instead of reacting, to carry hope and love and faith and peace instead of worry and anger and fear and conflict, to be gracious with people no matter how they treat you, to push love out of your heart and out of your words, out of your expressions, out of your interactions with people around you. And to do that, we have to be slow, because love is patient. When we just see people as obstructions to our busy life, we will blow right by them. But when we slow down, when we hear the Father and we center on Him, we also know ourselves, but more importantly, we know Him. And as we know Him, we begin to see the world around us and the people around us completely different than when we are sped up and worried more about our day, our agenda, our schedule, and our goals than what Jesus might be doing in a particular moment with a particular person or how he is desiring that we walk through a certain situation. Hurry is toxic to our emotional health and our spiritual lives, but it can also be symptomatic of much deeper issues within our hearts. So listen to me as we wrap this up this morning. Hurry is often a sign that we are running from something or to something. And again, to paraphrase parts of the book that we read together, usually 
we are running away from something. It could be father wounds, mother wounds, childhood trauma. It could be family stuff. It could be insecurity. It could be deficit of self-worth. It could be fear of failure. It could be an inability to accept the natural limitations that we have in our human bodies and our humanity. It could be simply just being bored with the mundane. Or we are maybe running to something. Maybe we're running to promotions or to purchasing that next thing or we're running, to, we're running to that next opportunity that we have to get a stamp on our passport, to go somewhere we haven't gone yet or to have an experience that we have not yet had, had that we are searching in vain for something that no earthly experience has to offer. A sense of self-worth and love and acceptance that only Jesus can give us. It's easy for us to believe that we are only as good as that next sale that we make, that next goal that we make, the next important thing that we do. But Jesus is inviting us into a completely different way. We do not want to be running through this month constantly out of breath, constantly disconnected from ourselves and from our soul and from Jesus and from others. There is a different way. Do not allow busyness to be something that allows you to run from those deeper things that God might be wanting to do in you. Don't let busyness be an excuse to run to those things that satisfy you temporarily, but do not have that eternal satisfaction that Jesus wants to give you. And sometimes we will admit this, so that as I'm talking about this as this toxic reality of busyness, I also understand that sometimes the hurry that we have in our life is far less dramatic than that. Maybe we're not running from something and maybe we're not running to something. Sometimes it's just the reality of an over-busy life and the responsibilities that you have right now and you're simply doing the best that you can with the time that you have. And to you, I extend grace upon grace because we are all in that place. But let us not allow that to become an excuse where we just pile on a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. There are so many things that if you gave yourself permission and you leaned into the grace of Jesus that he would say, you can lay that down. I'm not asking you to carry that. I'm not asking you to worry about that. I'm not asking you to concern yourself with that. That is not a problem that you can solve, therefore you shouldn't carry it in your heart. That is on my shoulders. Why are you trying to put it on your shoulders? And so many of these things that say, why do you have to perform to a certain and exact level in your workplace? Why do you have to show up for every single person so that when you do get home, you have nothing left for yourself or for those around you? These are good questions for us to contend with today. Jesus said this in Mark 8, 36, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? We can do all of the things. We can hit all of the marks. We can be busy, 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 and important, important, important. We can get it all done, but what is it that we are forfeiting? What is it that we are laying down? What is it that we are giving up? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and to forfeit their, forfeit their soul? But today, that's a big verse that Jesus gives us. Let's lower the stakes just a tiny bit, okay? Jesus went to the soul. I'm just going to go to like December. 
What good is it for you to gain the whole world and lose all of December? Instead of imagining, looking back over your life, that maybe Mark 8.36 gives you that impression of you're looking back over your life and going, I wasted so much time doing things I didn't care about, pleasing people that didn't matter, jumping through hoops that don't really have any long-term effect on me. That's that picture in Mark 8 where he's saying, look back over your, imagine looking back over your life and going, what do I wish that I lived for and how do I wish that I lived in cadence with Jesus? But let's, instead of looking over a whole life, let's just imagine that it's like January 4th. What's today's date? Is this December 4th? Third, December 3rd. Let's imagine it's January 3rd and we are looking back. You're looking back over December. What do you want to see? What do you want to feel? How do you want to have spent your resources, your time, and your energy? How do you want to lock in to step with Jesus? What would it feel like on January 3rd to look back over this season and just see the faithfulness of the Lord as you escaped from the busyness and the hurriedness, and you were able to just slow down and walk with Jesus through this season. The solution to an over-busy life isn't more time. None of us can get more time. And he talks about it in the book. Even if every single one of us was given 10 more hours a day, guess what? You wouldn't just spend those 10 hours like meditating and napping and crocheting you would be like, oh, 10 more hours. I can take on another project. I can start another company. I can take on more clients. I can do these things. And before you know it, we would have filled up those 10 hours and we'd be sitting here like, there's just 34 hours, just isn't enough time in a day to get everything done. I could give you 18 days in a week and it wouldn't change because the problem is not getting more time. The problem is getting the things that are least important off of our plate and highlighting and living into the things that are most important. It's to slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters. What really matters to you today? What really matters on January 3rd when you look back across this Advent month, this celebration of the coming of Jesus? What really matters. Let me read this scripture to you again, and I want you to close your eyes. Listen to this invitation. I have outlined the problem. Jesus is the solution. And these words were spoken so long ago are exactly what we need today as the solution. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Are you burned out on anything? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me. 
He didn't say if you learn to live freely and lightly, you will be able to keep company with me. He said, keep company with me, and you will learn these things. The invitation, the solution of Jesus is to walk with him. Come to him and get away with him, and you'll recover your life. In Luke 10, there's the story of Mary and Martha. We all may know it so well. If you are new to the scriptures, I would challenge you to read Luke 10. The story of Mary and Martha, it's a great story. And these sisters, Jesus comes to their home. One of them sits down at Jesus' feet, and one of them is running around doing all of the things. And I know this has been used over and over and over again, so I'm asking that it falls fresh on your heart this morning. And Martha comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, Mary's sitting here at your feet, and I'm doing everything. I, I'm taking care. I, I got everything ready. I laid out all the snacks. I got the chairs. I cleaned. I vacuumed. I set up everything. I invited people. I made sure people are here. I'm making sure they're taken care of. I cleaned the bathroom. I'm telling people where to go to the bathroom. I'm picking up the dishes. I'm doing all of the things. And, and here she sits at your feet. And Jesus said her name twice, Martha, Martha. <laughs> you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. I'm not going to take this away from her to tell her to go be more busy. And I want you to hear that to your heart. I want, to hear, I want you to hear that to the places where maybe your job is just highly driven by performance. Maybe your life is highly driven by a schedule and busyness and too many things that are going on. And sometimes you can look around and be like, how dare they, how dare he stand up there and talk about just being with Jesus? I'm doing all of the things. I'm taking care of this. I'm taking care of that. And I want you to hear the kindness in Jesus' heart and in his voice when he says, you are worried and upset about far too many things. But only one thing is needed. And the one that has chosen to sit at his feet is the one who has chosen wisely. So the beginning point of everything that we do from here on out throughout this season where culture wants to tell us to speed up, to spend more, to compete, to compare, to earn, to do all of those things, that we would say, I am not doing that. I am sitting with Jesus. I am believing in his promise that says, if I will keep company with him, that I will learn to live freely and lightly. How heavy is your life right now? How heavy is your schedule right now? There may need to be some things that are laid down at his feet, that he would say, let go of that. Choose to be with me. That is how we eliminate hurry from our life. That is the solution, but walking and being with Jesus. Amen? Amen. You said amen, so that means you agreed with me. Well done, huh? <laughs> like, wait, you tricked me. I don't agree with anything you said. Listen, uh, here's what I want to do. You are, we are 
I'm going to turn on some music. We are going to keep this room in here a sacred space for response and for prayer. Um, if you would like to, there, as I said, if you want to go by the bookstore and, and check out Ruthless Elimination of Hurry or Praying Like Monks or look at some of the books that we are giving away, if you would like to go and, and uh, go to the giving tree and do that or if you would like to prepare to um, help us build those burritos and the care packages that we're going to do out there, you can do that. But before you rush away this morning, I would say that you don't get a lot of places where with another 15 minutes that we have on our time together, that you don't have anywhere that you need to be. The kids are hanging out with awesome leaders. The middle schoolers are hanging out with awesome leaders. And you have space in here to ask Jesus to unhurry your life, to rearrange your perspective to rearrange your priorities, to search out the places inside of you where you do not feel the peace and the hope and the joy and the love that we profess as followers of Jesus. And to remember that he never comes to us to shame us. He comes to exchange. And so this morning, that's what communion can be for us, is a place of exchange where we are bringing these things of worries and cares and concerns and these heavy yokes and we are bringing them to the communion table and we're bringing them to the completed work of Jesus and we are exchanging those things as an act of confession and repentance and we are taking up his body and his blood, his life, his death, his resurrection, his enthronement, his outpouring of his Holy Spirit and we are taking that on ourselves and we're saying, I am leaving behind this cadence and I'm living into this cadence. And so I want to invite you into some time of prayer, personal prayer. I want to invite you into time of personal communion. There's also an Advent reading up here that is specific to our Advent and just some of the things that I would have you do. And then these are sticky notes where you can write down, there's an activation in there and a response where you can write down a few things that you want to stick this in your car or maybe on your mirror in your bathroom or somewhere that you'll see it every day just as a reminder that you are letting go of some of these things and you're picking up the hope that is promised of Jesus in this Advent season and it allows you to slow down in that place, okay? So that's what we're going to do. Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, we honor you with our hearts. We honor you with our schedules. We honor you by not just letting go of busyness, but actually picking up the solution, which is to walk with you. That we would not live without limits. We would live into you. Come and meet us. Come and move us. Come and refine us with your grace. Thank you that you promised that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so I pray, God, that as we take communion this morning, as we come to the table ourselves and we go back by ourselves and we just pray and take time with you, that you are transforming our mind, that we would have the mind of Christ, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind and that we would walk differently through this season than we ever have before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys are free to respond however the Spirit leads you. Communion is available.